Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. From one angle, when we think about the season that we've been in, which is a part of what we're doing today, is not only starting a new series, but also marking the moment for the life of this church community. And it seems from one angle, like we've kind of become experts in navigating transition. The last few years, of course, for those of you who have been around, that has included a lot of leadership transition. But also, as Dave alluded to, living in the city, it's just often the course of our life that people come to the city for a few years, change jobs, change locations. It just happens a lot, transition in, in city ministry. And then, of course, this last year with the pandemic, uh, adjusting to rules and hybrid things and like purchasing tech that we as a church had never needed to consider before. All of this makes us feel a little bit too well-versed in change. But if we back up just a little bit and remember where we are in the life of the story of this church community, we see that this kind of moment isn't that unique. Actually, some of you may not know this, but, well, you do know this. We're part of a story that's still being written. Here specifically, in this old, old, creaky, beautiful building, we're a part of a story that has extended far back beyond our own time. Our cornerstone, if you haven't seen it, on the, this corner of 1242 West Addison, has a, a mark stated 1911. That's actually a good reminder to us that we are being built on the shoulders of a church community that's been gathering here for more than 100 years. It was originally the first Swedish Baptist church congregation, and we've been built on their legacy. But interestingly enough, when we think about their story, before they were gathering here, their community had to stop corporate gatherings for the Civil War. Their community had to change locations because they lost their church in the Chicago fire. And they found their way to 1242 West Addison and put up a cornerstone that reminds us that we are built on the shoulders of the gathered people of God from far before us. When that community had grown down over time to about 20 or so people, a new group of people came in and sort of gave a fresh launch and a fresh name since that time, those pastors who came in transitioned away and a new one came in and we changed names and changed. Change is a part of our story. It is a part that we've gotten really good at navigating. Within our own history since becoming Missio Day, we've changed congregations in different neighborhoods. We've added, we've sometimes had to move. Things have happened that make us adept at change in all of it. But today we honor and celebrate that we are gathering upon the shoulders of so many who have worshipped and gathered the risen Lord here together in the past. We are built upon that story, and we mark this moment as another new season or change in this local church. But it's not the changes that define us. This broader story isn't the story of people who are really good at surviving change. This story still being written is the story of the faithfulness of God. And that's what we're here to celebrate. I think we've especially felt these last few years, at least I have, and I know many of you that I talked with have felt the same way. We as a church have been asking, what should we do? 
We've sought collective wisdom and voices to ask what should we do, what should we do next? And I honor the fact that within those collective voices, we've seen new people come and rise up in leadership or influence to raise, enough, uh, raise up in commitment level to say, yes, I wanna be a part of the right, written story of what's happening here, what should we do? And I honor outside voices like Dr. McKnight and uh, our friend Cherith Fee Nordley and my parents who have offered wisdom from other church contexts to give their time and their wisdom to say, what should we do in the life of this local church community? And those are good questions, but recently the questions changed even more and it started to be, what can we do? What does the mayor say we can do? I was watching weekly live streamed updates and we're like, what, what can we do now? How many can we be? Can we sing yet? Can we take communion? What can we do? It felt like we started to be defined then by restrictions. It felt like we went from being defined by change to being defined by restrictions. And I know in faith that as we continue to gather as the local church with our story still being written, God is asking us the bigger question. Who are we? Because who we are cannot be restricted and it cannot be changed. We are the people of God led by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is who we are. We are Christ's body. We are the church, the local community of believers in Jesus gathered in his name, in worship, and in fellowship together. Last fall, if I just had this moment of remembering this, Last fall, uh, as things started to shut back down even further, I was just getting so tired of everything. If I'm honest, I felt like the weight of all of the change and restrictions was becoming more than I could handle. And I, in response to that, was trying to press forward. If I'm honest, I was trying to do it out of my own strength, to muscle forward. I've gotta be able to break into something new. As it turns out, I'm not strong enough to outdo or outmuscle a pandemic. Who knew? But I found out in case I was wondering. I don't know what I was thinking, but like my stance was that of just muscling. I have to break into something new, God. And God gave me a very loving, firm, clear correction in that moment. As I was muscling into something new and asking for it, this conviction of the Spirit came over me like, like, a, like a blanket. And God reminded me, not something new, Melissa, but something steadfast, something ancient, something timeless, something that we are called to remember. Enter back into that. Lean into it with trust. Remember an identity, a calling that far predates our cornerstone of 1911. So let's pan back even further and remember, this is what church is, the continuation of God's story. The story told to Abraham, a promise that made no sense in the Old Testament. The story that continued through the book of Acts and into the birth of the church and into the New Testament, a story that's continuing still through today. And so today we're going to start into a new series from the book of Acts, and we are going to spend some time in the first half of this book together. So I'm going to start by reading uh, passages from both, I'm sorry, this is the wrong one, from Acts 1 and 2. 
starting in verse 1, chapter 1. This is the NLT version. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates in time, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Chapter 1 continues as the believers are gathering and, uh, well, well, we can talk through that and read through it, but they, they're organizing with new leaders, they're trusting in God, and they're waiting because Jesus said to wait. And so I'll start now in the beginning of chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Israel. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Okay, a couple of points as we start into this new series together. We're going to be focused on the first half of the book of Acts. The full name of this book is Acts of the Apostles. And I love reading all the commentaries on this because they all want it renamed. None of us have the ability to rename, but they all say things like it should actually be called the Gospel of the Spirit or Acts of God, not Acts of the Apostles. And we'll come to see why. So... Acts is part of a two-part series written by Luke. As you guys know, we don't have actual biographies and tons of information on all these authors, but Luke, we believe, could be the um, physician who traveled later with the Apostle Paul. So he was very close to a lot of the action. And I absolutely love how he starts out his gospel account. So a gospel, for those of you who don't know, the, the New Testament starts with four gospel accounts. That's four different people writing about the, the, what was going on while Jesus was doing Jesus's life and ministry before or up through his death, resurrection, and ascension. And so the four people who wrote these gospels, one of them was Luke. And Luke is this physician. Here's how he starts his gospel. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. I love this because right out of the gate, Luke just addresses, first of all, both books to the same person. He's writing these, but he's writing them to teach. And he's saying, I've taken in all the information I've heard, and I want to write an orderly account, which is kind of, is that like a little backhanded dig? I'm not sure, but I like it if it is, honestly. And so we see in Luke that he has 
an agenda, a teaching agenda. He wants to take these two books together and tell the life and ministry of Jesus and the life and launch of the birth of the church. And so I would actually very much recommend, we're going to have a reading plan throughout this, but I recommend you start reading the Gospel of Luke and then into Acts. There's another gospel in the middle there. You can skip it for now. It'll be great to go back another day. But for right now, get Luke and Acts together. It's his second gospel, so to speak. And it's also unique within the New Testament because we have the gospels, I told you, are just about uh, the life and ministry of Jesus. And then we have a whole bunch of what what, uh, the Bible calls epistles, which is another name for letters, to form the early church, to help her develop and grow in a God-honoring way. But there's this little book this powerful, weird book of Acts that's the life of the birth of the church. And that's what's happening. That's why we're calling this series Becoming the Church. This is not an instruction manual on how to do church, how to structure church. It's not like that. This book is what God did as the church was birthed. So this isn't something new. Luke, in both his gospel and in Acts, is full of Old Testament reference very knowledgeable on how this is the fulfillment of a story still being written by God. Not new, but what's happening here is changed. Something radical being birthed through the Spirit because of a pivotal moment which the gospel crescends to, which is Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And then Luke, in the Acts of the Apostles, launches again from that place like we just read. So Jesus is among the people and then ascends, and then the Spirit comes. And so Luke is taking this, this two-part uh, journey, and, um, and so that's what we're seeing is the birth of the church. The primary character in the book of Acts, as we read it together as a community, please note, there's some really big deal names like Peter and Paul. This book is not about them. This book is about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's not about any individual person. It's not just leaders. I love what Willie James Jennings says. The spirit is present and active, but not in some magical way in Luke's storytelling. He says this, Luke doesn't play off human agency against divine agency. God moves and we respond. We move and God responds. Nevertheless, this is God's drama, God's complete exposure. When we pair this with the Gospel of Luke, we see this really neat trajectory, kind of. Everything in the Gospel of Luke seems to be pointing towards Jerusalem. We have to get to this moment, this pivotal moment in the church. Everything is coming together and drawing in like a magnet to Jerusalem. And here, as we start off in the book of Acts, we see that we start in Jerusalem and just explode out from there. And that's the trajectory that we see when we look at the two of these together. Not just about spreading, but this culmination that is all centered on the pivotal moment between Luke and Acts, which is the resurrection and ascension of Jesus as Lord. That's what's happening. We witness to that. We testify to that. And so we're going to go in the first part of Acts through the next few weeks, and we're going to be looking specifically for a few things. We want to learn from their story, not Um, because we're becoming something new. We're continuing on the story of being the church, but it's a great time to get reinvigorated by this story of the birth of the church. And we're going to see a few things. We're going to see a community of believers who were marked by active worship, communal generosity, 
faithful service, persistent witness, and radical inclusion. And it's a great story, a powerful, sometimes weird story, and we're going to seep in it. For this next week, I would love to ask all of you to please read Acts 1 and 2 before next Sunday. If you don't have a Bible and you like a handheld Bible, please come see me. I would love to give you one. But if you are newer to church or have been in different church contexts, it's totally fair to pull out your version app on your phone, and it's fantastic. If you don't have it, pull your phone out right now and download it. Phone-approved moment in church. And you can change translations. It's super easy to use. Again, I'll show you how if you don't know. But we want to be not just sitting once a week and listening to the Word of God. We want to be people who are reading the Word of God. So please read Acts 1 and 2. And we are going to start off next week going deeper into that, um, into that portion of the book. I need to be careful not to get ahead because I feel excited about all of these topics and I found myself kind of wanting to unpack all of them. But in this moment, what we just read this morning, what we need to look at is this weird, tense moment. And did you you catch a couple of things? First of all, in their waiting, they were gathered together. Jesus just said, wait, and this thing's going to happen. The Spirit will come. And we now know, because we've read about it for a while, what that meant. But do you suppose they were all kind of scratching their head? Jesus was here for 40 more days. Couldn't he have stayed for 40 more years and kept leading us? What does this mean? They didn't know. They were waiting after this strange, wonderful thing of a risen Savior in their midst. And they still were gathered together. They hadn't gone home yet. I find that interesting. Henry Nouwen says this really beautifully, and I don't typically like to use long quotes, but he says it so much more beautifully. Allow me this one in this moment. If you think about you deciding, Jesus was just here, and then he was crucified, and then he was resurrected, and we saw it, and then he hung out with us for 40 more days and was teaching, and now we're waiting. And we're waiting for what? And look at this beautiful, this beautiful thought on patience. The word patience mean the, means the willingness to stay where we are and live the situation out to the full in the belief that something hidden there will manifest itself to us. Impatient people are always expecting the real thing to happen somewhere else and therefore want to go elsewhere. The moment is empty. But the patient dare to stay where they are. Patient living means to live actively in the present and wait there. Waiting then is not passive. It involves nurturing the moments as a mother nurtures the child that is growing in her. And that's what we see in this pregnant moment. is the people of God waiting. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And we see a detail in this amazing moment that's easy to miss. Everyone, as the Holy Spirit comes and they're speaking in tongues, everybody hears the believers in their own language. They hear what the believers are saying in their own languages. Usto Gonzalez points this out. God could have gone two ways here. God had the ability to go either way. Either everybody there, the believers from all these different nations, could have come together and all heard the message, the good news, the testimony, the witness. They could have all heard it in the believer's language, Aramaic. They could have all heard in a centered way towards the believer's experience. Or God could have made the language understanding go in the opposite direction. 
and God chose the latter. The followers that, who were on this path are all talking about what was going on, and we see that the Holy Spirit is ready to take forms that are understandable within those languages and cultures. It's the same trajectory as we talked about towards Jerusalem and then out, and here the work of the Spirit, one of the Spirit's first works is to have this go outward instead of centered towards a common language. This is a movement going out. We stand in the portion of God's story where new change is about to be written. And in this moment in Acts, new change is being written. And we sense a new direction in a really old story pointing outward. We sense their posture of patience, and we feel that. And so as I look at our journey on the cusp together here, both at Missio de Wrigleyville, feeling a bit on the cusp of a new season or at least a change, together with the church in Acts, which was having change blow everything up, I want to just quickly give you three thoughts before we respond. Things that we see here in this pregnant pause, not getting ahead of ourselves. Number one, we see the believers in a posture of expectancy. They're hopeful. They've maintained hope despite all of the craziness and the confusion of these last 47 days. They still have expectancy rooted in hope, even if they don't know the rest of the New Testament yet. They're gathering and they're waiting, which brings us to our second one, trust. They are trusting in something steadfast, something built on past knowledge of their experience of Jesus Christ. They are trusting in what they already know and waiting for something that doesn't make sense yet, that they don't know what it is, but they're going to trust in it. And then the third thing that I think is really beautiful in the life of a continuation of a story being written is they had a solid footing. Like I mentioned, Luke's gospel and the narrative of Acts is chock full of Old Testament story. They knew the story that they were a part of, even if they didn't know the outcome. They knew they were still being built on God's story, a story still being written, and they were willing to wait in that to what God was going to continue to do. Not the leaders, but God. God was going to continue to do something now through the Spirit because the testimony that they would continue to preach, which is the risen Lord Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.